0: In this ravishing sequel to Inherited, Hereditary follows the lives behind the currency and banking reform of 19th century Britain. As 20 small banks join to form a new joint stock bank, the lives behind the merger interweave, and secrets unravel. That's not the movie we watched. Stay tuned to hear what we thought about Hereditary. <laughs> This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is episode 109 of Fried Squirms, where we're going to talk about Hereditary.
1: Yeah, dude. Super stoked about this episode.
0: I'm super stoked, too. Although, you just let me in on a little bit of news. I know. I let a
1: little of the air out of our balloon.
0: (laughs) Man, we were all stoked. We're all set up right now to have a shit ton of people in my living room. Not in the normal recording studio, because we thought we were going to have a shit ton of people. Yeah, no kidding, right? But life got in the way and now we're going to see who actually shows.
1: Exactly. So this is uh this is when <laughs> we anticipated like maybe four or five people. Yeah. Considering the movie.
0: Uh, we have what one for sure now?
1: I think at least one for sure, two perhaps.
0: Maybe. Okay. I mean, that kind of sucks, but Yeah, it's okay. We're going to make the most of it. It's going to be fun. It's just going to be awkward doing it out in the living room. That's okay.
1: <laughs> just a change of pace if nothing else.
0: That's right. I guess really quickly, do we have anything before we get to this guts and bolts before everybody shows up?
1: Not necessarily. The one thing I did see was there's a special effects makeup artist on like some really big films that currently passed away. I wish I had the information up, but...
0: Let me see. I think I have it right here. John Carl Buchler? I don't know how to say his last name. I, I guess I've read it before, considering he worked on Reanimator, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master, Halloween 4, Ghoulies, From Beyond... Shit like that.
1: So awesome, yeah. Pretty big name in effects, especially for that time period. Yeah, some pretty awesome films. Big name, like I said, but unfortunately he's passed away. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Not necessarily. You know, I mentioned to you off-air, I got a uh, a multi-region player finally and purchased some films to go along with that, so I'm looking forward to those. But other than that, man, just kind of hanging out for the most and part.
0: I know I've mentioned to you before that I know that Blu-rays aren't always strictly encoded. So one of those UK releases I'm going to be borrowing from you just oh, to no see doubt. if it works on my player. Nice. That's
1: I'm quite all right with that. Cool. if it
0: does, I'm going to buy my own copy. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah. So I just yeah. wasn't going to spend the money without knowing whether it was going to play or not beforehand. Completely understand. You're already going to have it. Yeah. Might as well. I'm okay with that. Yeah, shit, I don't really have anything. I went and saw Captain Marvel, but that's not horror. So I'm super looking forward to next week, where I think we're going to go catch us next week. Dude,
1: that's going to be awesome.
0: I mean, I suppose with us, we can probably just... I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but we'll probably do like a little like 30-minute or something. Yeah, just
1: a little bit of a reaction.
0: A little bit of reaction, talk about it, throw it out there for you peoples. Yeah, nice. Shit, I guess let's get to the guts and bolts of Hereditary. Guts and bolts. All right, hereditary. Your, what, horror movie of the year for last year? Yeah, that was my number one last year. <laughs> Probably my number three, but it's still way up there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. One of the better horror films of last year, for sure.
0: So let's see. Guts and bull... Oh, I suppose we should start with synopsis. Yeah,
1: just a brief synopsis.
0: Ooh. A family starts having horrible shit happen to them. I guess, what would be like a spoiler-free synopsis? Grandmother dies and a family starts unwinding. But not in a good way.
1: Yeah, just a lot of family tragedy.
0: A lot of tragedy after tragedy. That all seems connected back. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather not spoil Especially with how new this movie is. I'm really trying to avoid any spoilers.
1: Yeah, movies. exactly. So if you haven't seen the trailer or read any kind of brief synopsis, we try to give you at least a spoiler-free synopsis, just to entice you a little bit.
0: I don't know what else I would say. Yeah, like,
1: without spoiling anything. I know what you're saying, yeah.
0: Cool. So, family shit and creepy shit, and unwinding of a family (laughs) shit. Exactly. all happens after a grandmother's death.
1: Precisely. Um, So with that brief synopsis, we can kind of go into the people who helped make this film. And for this film, we have another directorial debut, and this was done by director Ari Aster. Now, he's known for some of his short films, and some of those I was mentioning to you is a controversial short film, and it's called The Strange Things About the Johnsons. And before I came over, I watched a little bit of it, and I can see why it's considered controversial. It has a really interesting theme to it, and it's another one of those that showcases the family dynamic. So I think some of his short films kind of focus on that. Now, along with this film, he does have an upcoming film that's coming out in this August, which I'm really looking forward to it. And it's his follow-up called Midsommar. So think about the title I don't want to say anything because I have seen the trailer, but it looks pretty promising.
0: I haven't watched the trailer yet. I feel really bad because I got really excited when it dropped, but when I saw that it dropped, I was literally on my way to work, so I didn't no have time to watch it. No and worries. I just, uh, doesn't matter how much time I've had with this weekend, I just didn't get around <laughs> to doing it. So I saw a couple screens, though, and a couple stills from it, and even that looked promising. So,
1: yeah, it's pretty make cool. It that what you want. <laughs> now, one thing I did want to mention, because I was chuckling, was I did see that. Ari directed and starred in a Funnier Die video, and that video is entitled Tino's Dick Farts. So, if you're familiar with the Funnier Die series and you haven't seen that one, I think by the title alone, I'm kind of curious about it. And if you're curious about the short films, you can find them on Faux Beef Vimeo's page, so just in case you were interested in those. Now, he also helped write the script and screenplay for this film. I'll move on to our cinematographer. This gentleman's Pavel Orgajelski. Now, he and Ari both went to the AFI Conservatory together, so that's where they formed that bond and relationship. And so if you look at some of his shorts, they worked on those together. Now, he's gone on to be the cinematographer on such films as Patchwork, We're Still Together, the film Tragedy Girls, the film Boost, and the upcoming Midsommar as well. Our editor on this film is Lucian Johnston. Now, he's helped with this film, of course, and the upcoming Midsommar. And Jennifer Lame, she has done such films as Francis Ha, While We Are Young, Paper Towns, and Manchester by the Sea.
0: Oh, shit. I've actually seen Paper Towns. Nice. Even though, like, that's not up my normal alley. Yeah. Of, I almost have to tell this story really quick and go off on this. No, I'm okay. I like that. Because, fucking, Paper Towns, normally not my genre at all. And nothing against, like, which green, is it? john green that wrote that
1: i'm not sure it's
0: based on i think a john green novel so definitely not my normal thing like fault in our stars all that shit gotcha you know what he actually sometimes shops where we work cool enough guy that's pretty neat really reserved but yeah not my normal genre however (laughs) at the time i was buying weed from this guy who was kind of new to dealing Mm -hmm. not super new like he had done it off and on here and there but he had just gotten like really into dealing (laughs) and was starting to traffic in some higher-priced goods gotcha (laughs) but i had known him before that and like we used to hang out and shit and like i knew one of his exes really well and all this shit so i was over at his place and buying some weed and he had just started the movie and basically was like hey man do you want to like hang out and watch this movie with me and do a ton of coke. <laughs> <laughs> i like, all right. <laughs> uh, so I did coke throughout all of Paper Towns, wow. and it makes it a super
1: enjoyable movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Now, who'd have thought we'd be talking about somebody who worked on that film? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. All right, so the music on this, I do want to talk about this, gentleman just for a moment. The music was composed by Colin Stetson. Colin is a really interesting person when it comes to the music yeah, world. Maybe it
0: wasn't a ton of coke, but it was a good bit Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: alright. Now, like I said, he worked on this film and composed the music for, I want to say, like almost every single part. Any instrumental piece that you hear throughout the film is a piece of his work. So, he has collaborated and worked with a dozens of artists, and I'll name just a few of them. If you're familiar with Tom Waits, he's worked with Tom Waits, the band Arcade Fire, which... I have seen them live, but it wasn't during the time period that he was with them. Oh, okay. It was like prior. He's also worked with TV on the radio. It's an indie band I really like. Uh, the artist Feist, Bon Iver, Lou Reed, Sinead O'Connor, Godspeed, You Black Emperor. He's also worked with the Chemical Brothers, which is really cool. The band Bad, Bad, Not Good, which is really neat. David Gilmer. So just a really interesting artist. Some of the music pieces that he's actually written for film have been for the film Blue Caprice, which I thought was kind of neat. This is kind of a, a film based off of uh, the Parkway shootings that happened in D.C. area. Okay. Then he's also composed the music for Outlaws and Angels, the film Lavender, Friday's Child, and the television series The First, which came out just previously from last year. The special effects on this, we have several teams. We have Illuminatus lasers. They help with laser effects. There's Applied Arts FX Studio. They help with the prosthetic and miniatures in this brainstorm digital helped with visual effects kill nine studios they also helped with visual effects mechanism digital and fourth wall they helped with additional video effects this was produced by kevin frakes lars Knudsen, and buddy patrick production companies were a24 palm star media finch entertainment and windy hill pictures the distributor for this was a24 they helped with the united states theatrical release it was released on January 21st, 2018 at the Sundance Film Festival and then statewide June 8th, 2018. Its budget was an estimated 9 to $10 million. Its opening weekend, this was dated June 10th of last year, it made $13.6 million. It grossed domestically $44.1 million. And then when you add in its worldwide, it made $79.3 million. Now this is the highest grossest A24 film that's uh, including the witch which we're big fans of oh. and um, there was a film that came out last year I actually watched it. I can't remember the name of it but it literally it it made more than all the A24s Damn. that had been released prior all right i do have two taglines for this film i kind of i kind of only want to want to tell you one cuz i think the second one's going to ruin it <laughs> it'll spoil it oh, okay yeah so the first one i have is every family tree hides a secret Okay. And I don't want to say the second one. (laughs) I might say it in the next section, but I'll reserve it for this section. All right, so moving on, I want to start talking about the cast. Now, there's only a few people that we really should focus on because they're the main cast. The rest are just kind of bit players, so I'll I'll focus on those. All right, so leading off, well-known actress killed it in her part in this film, and I'm talking about Toni Collette. She plays the part of Annie Graham in this film and some of the films i think of probably one of the first ones is the sixth, sixth sense yeah
0: i think that might be the only other film i think of i did look through her filmography and i'm sure i've seen her in something else before but yeah i pretty much just think we're in sixth sense
1: she kills it now i think she didn't she get nominated for an award and won the award for like best supporting actress uh,
0: she was oscar nominated for sixth sense but i don't think she was.
1: okay yeah i was like i know she got at least nominated for an award now some of the other films i'll just mention a few of them I'm a big fan of the film Velvet Goldmine, which has Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale, and it's a pretty interesting film about like 1970s.
0: I guess she was in was she in the Fright Night remake?
1: She was. Oh, okay. She sure was. I know I, I think we probably mentioned her briefly. It's not
0: yeah. a bad film at all.
1: But yeah, Velvet Goldmine, if you're any kind of fan of 70s British music, it's a pretty interesting, kind of fake biopic about it. She was also in the films Shaft. The film About a Boy, The Hours, the film Little Miss Sunshine.
0: It's been way too long since I've seen Shaft, but I have seen it, so.
1: Yeah. She's probably more well-known for the role she played in on United States of Terra, which came out uh, in 2009 and it ran through 2011. You'd mentioned Fright Night. She was also in the films Hitchcock, Krampus, and the more recent film Velvet Bosa. That, I think, is currently on Netflix, Jake Mm -hmm. Gyllenhaal. I've heard kind of mixed reviews on it, but still kind of curious. Okay. The next actor I have, another big name is Gabriel Byrne. He plays the character of Steve Graham in this, which is the husband of Tony Collette's character.
0: So I love Gabriel Byrne for two very weird reasons. <laughs> I call them weird reasons because they made me absolutely love him, but they also in the same year earned him a Razzie nomination okay. for best supporting or worst supporting actor <laughs> because he was in both end of days and stigmata Mm -hmm. both coming out in 1999
1: yeah i got them both written down that's funny
0: i used to watch both of those movies a shit ton
1: (laughs) i did like stigmata a lot i never did really watch end of days a lot
0: dude end of days has arnie trying to shoot the devil to death
1: yeah it's like uh who else was it
0: It (laughs) i
1: can't remember the actress's name
0: I don't remember. I just remember him trying to shoot the devil to death. I know what the film is about. That's funny. Ridiculous. (laughs) All
1: right. So Gabriel, he's been in such films as the 1980s version of Excalibur. He was in the film Gothic. He was in Miller's Crossing, which is a Coen Brothers film. He was in the film Cool World. A film I really enjoy, this is probably one of his better works, is he was in The Usual Suspects.
0: Tooney? Tony? I've only ever seen her name.
1: He was in the remake of Assault on Precinct 13. He was also in the television series In Treatment, which was on HBO from 2008 through 2010. And he was also part of the Vikings television series back in 2013. Our next actor we have is Alex Wolfe. He plays Peter Graham, who is the son of both Steve and Annie's characters in this film. Now, some people might recognize him for his role on the Naked Brothers Band from uh, 2007 through 2009. Which, I believe it starred... His brother was in that, too?
0: Yeah, I mean... I don't know why they called themselves The Naked Brothers. I mean, I'm sure it was explained at some point, and there's fans out there that know this shit, but... I don't. I always, I never even, like, wanted to check out the show, because I felt dirty turning on a show called <laughs> The Naked Brothers Band. Wasn't it,
1: like, on Nickelodeon or yeah. Disney Channel or some shit?
0: Yeah. yeah, and it was a little bit past the time where I was watching a lot of that shit, because I do get down on some kid shows, right. some of them are really fun, but...
1: In 2007, I was either 25 or 26, so there's no reason I should have been watching that show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean... And I was however many years younger than I am than you, but... Yeah, I still been, a little bit older been, than... I would have been, like, 20, but, like... Yeah. I was still catching, like, the good, like, Disney Channel movies every now and then.
1: Yeah. I have a sister that she got down on a lot of Disney movies, and I'd watch them with her, but I'm like, man, this is, like, way past the age I should be watching these at, and like, literally enjoying them. I mean, they're but, good.
0: Yeah, that show, I'd just be like, no... I'm not gonna fucking watch something <laughs> called that. Like that just somebody walked in and you're like, what are you watching? Fucking Nick Brothers band? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? You're what now?
1: Yeah, I'm good, bro. Put that
0: away. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Now, he also starred with Gabriel Byrne in the television series In Treatment. Now uh, he was in it in 2010. He was also part of the films The Sitter, Hairbrained, and My Friend Dahmer. The next actress I have is Millie Shapiro. This is her film debut as an actress. She plays the character of Charlie Graham. Now she has been nominated and she has won a Tony Award for her work in Matilda in theater, which mm-hmm. I thought was really neat. She's apparently a really good singer, but she and Alex Wolff both went to the same acting school together, and that's how they knew each other prior to this film. Now she's also been a part of the television series Splitting Up Together that came out last year. Ann Dowd is the last character I have, or excuse me, the last actress I have, and she plays the character of Joan. And some of the films I have her are some pretty interesting ones because there are some pretty acclaimed ones in this. But she was a part of the movie Philadelphia. So if you like Tom Hanks, she was in that. You might have seen her in The Apt Pupil, which is a film I really enjoy. It kind of has a dirty name attached to it. (laughs) I know we've talked about it several times. Mm -hmm. She was also in the film's Garden State. You might have seen her in the film Compliance. She was a part of the television series Masters of Sex.
0: Uh, She was in 1995's Bushwhacked. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. I saw that. She,
1: had, she was like a kind of like a side character in some of those films. Mm-hmm. She was a part of Captain Fantastic. Now, there's two shows I know her from specifically. I watched HBO's The Leftovers, which came out in 2014. She was in it all the way through the last season. And she's also more currently been in The Handmaid's Tale, which came out in 2017. And she was in, I think, the first two seasons of that. All right, so that's pretty much the cast and crew. We gave you a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings in this. There's not a whole lot, but there are some pretty juicy moments when they are. There's a
0: couple moments where it gets super graphic for like 10, 15 seconds at a time. Literally a couple moments.
1: Yeah, there's not a whole heck of a lot in terms of that. Like, it's not gory film. It's not. It's not
0: gory, like gushing. No, no, no. Although, at least one of the times, I'd say it was pretty fucking gory.
1: Yeah, there's some good moments.
0: For sure, um, but it's literally like two moments.
1: There's some fire, there's some blood, and some uh, you know just your general stuff. Some adult content involving oh, yeah, language some and yeah, some nudity. You see some dick at the end. Yeah, there's sure. some dick and there's, uh, I think some, there's bush. some boobs and
0: st- stuff too. But yeah. I'm just like ah, his dude's standing there with his dick out, <laughs>
1: smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's some of that, and, yeah, outside of that, I mean, it's just kind of a straightforward horror film, I suppose. I mean, it it's not a traditional horror film in that sense, like a slasher or a gore film. Right. It's more along the lines of older films, perhaps.
0: And some of the shit that we've been talking about lately, anyway, like Housewife, shit like that.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... Without spoiling a lot. Not that dreamy and weird.
0: But I I think you know what I'm getting at, at least. like It's the same sort of weird, like, oh shit, what are we all caught up in? There have been
1: a lot of films, kind of coincidentally, that we've been reviewing that have a certain logic to them.
0: Kill List. Yeah, Kill List is a perfect example. I wanted to say that, yeah. Yeah. Kill List is a good movie that this is, is comparable to.
1: I would completely agree with that. Yeah, so if you're familiar with those films, if you want something that's not cheap jump scares this is a good film
0: I agree yeah I guess let's take a small break and see who actually shows up for our guests
1: sounds good and then we can get into how it makes us all squeal all of us
0: squeal <laughs> god what's happening to me oh god where am I why am I hearing these things oh god what, what's going on oh Jesus come on oh my god what's what's going on where where am I? Oh gee! Why? Why? Come on! Somebody! Somebody! Ah, come, on, come on, come on, come on! Come on, somebody! Sir, you must listen Somebody, somebody's there! Somebody's gotta be there! I will shock you! Come on! Sir! Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Welcome back everyone. I mean, I guess it's been no time for you guys out in the fucking digital world. But for us, it's literally been a week. We probably, I mean, we'll take a look behind the scenes here for a second, and nobody showed up last week. Yeah. So we were like, fuck this, we had so many people wanting to to come on here and say something that we'll put it off a week. So we put it off a week, and the living room's currently set up for like six, seven people. We have Justin here with us. Yeah, we got Justin <laughs> in the house. I'm here. Somebody showed. This movie has apparently, for us, been all about the hazards of trying to get large groups of people together. However, we're happy to have you here to share your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, And I know that you guys both come bearing the thoughts of some of our other comrades that were supposed to be here.
2: It's just one in particular.
1: Yeah, and I have one from another. Yeah,
0: well, Riley couldn't
2: make it, and he just wanted to let you know that he found this the most erotic of any movie he's ever watched.
0: Wait. Did you say erotic? Yeah, he said
2: like, it. I asked him if it was okay to say if, if it was, he thought it was the most erotic movie he's ever seen, and he said it was fine on his behalf to say that. All right. So. All right,
0: so Riley finds this erotic.
1: Nice.
0: Let's hold off on yours for a second, right? I guess as we as we start to talk about this, this episode isn't necessarily going to be intended as a commentary. But I didn't set all this shit up in my living room for nothing. <laughs> so we're going to go along with the original intent, which is I am going to hit play on the movie without sound and let it play in the background so that we at least have a common focal point that's rolling. And if you guys want to match this up with the movie, I will tell you that I'm about to hit play. I, I guess I'll, I'll let you know as like, the logo comes up here in a second. And then we'll start talking about Hereditary. <laughs> nice. Let's see. I'm watching it on Amazon Prime right now, so we're going through some adverts. Advert, advert, EA Prime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, the penis chopper. That was a Lorraine Bobbitt. Even if
0: you guys do try to line this up, it's not going to line up exactly because we're still going to because we're not intending this to be a commentary. We're still going to be editing it, so yeah, we might end up ahead of wherever you guys are watching. But the the A24 logo is going right now, so you guys know where we're at. Okay, hereditary. Nice. Let's start off, since he's not here, with Patrick's thoughts.
1: Okay, so Patrick, he actually went and seen it with Riley and Alex. And then later on, he and I and his nephew went and seen it. And that was the first time I'd seen it. Anyhow, he said because he couldn't be here, this was his thoughts. He says, my notes just say, it's like a night terror I was in a hypnotic paralysis the whole movie. The sound design and the camera movement are the straps and locks on the nightmare seat, and the story and the acting are the ghost that crawls into your soul.
0: He didn't have to get that poetic with it. but he did. I'm not oh, going to be saying anything that flowery. <laughs>
1: it because that was a mouthful. But, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot for me to say because this is one of the films, you know, we had talked about our favorites from last year, and this one for me was... My number one from last year. Just really enjoyed it. I think the movie experience, like we were talking about yesterday, it kind of solidifies certain things that normally doesn't translate when you watch it at home. For example, the sound design in this film plays a huge role. And I felt like in the theater, it had like a really huge impact on how I viewed this film.
0: And of course, it's having no impact right now. I know, it's it the complete
1: opposite, right? <laughs>
2: Well, it gives us a chance to talk more about the cinematography.
0: Right. Well, I guess I do also want to say before we get too far into this, that if you don't all remember Justin as well as we do, go check out the Event Horizon episode. Oh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good episode. Uh, I guess we didn't give you that good of an intro this time oh, around, I, Justin. But... It
2: feels like only yesterday was the Event Horizon show. I know. <laughs> this is a different Event Horizon here. <laughs> Indeed.
0: So I guess how does this... So yeah... Danny, this movie was your favorite of last year. How does this movie rate for you, Justin? Obviously, you wanted to come talk about it. Yes,
2: it also rated up there as probably number one of that year. I was told about it, not what the movie was about. I was just told, you need to see this. It was from Jen because her boss, Paul, had seen it and said, this is worth it. And this isn't really a typical genre that he watches, but he enjoyed it. So then Jen's like, we should go watch this. But we just decided to go in without even seeing a trailer. So we just knew it was supposed to be scary. Saw so it. What I enjoyed about it is that it wasn't a typical plot line. I couldn't predict what was going to happen. It was scary, not so much in the sense of gore, but in the sense of suspense and not knowing what could come next. But they did a really good job also with the music. Um, it was very atmospheric. It most reminds me of... There's an uh, artist out there named Tim Hecker. It's very atmospheric. It's hard for me to listen to alone, but when you put it to an image... It definitely enhances both sides of it too. what the image does, the music, and vice versa. But yeah, I just thought overall it was a very well-done movie. Believable actors, especially that scene I'm sure you get to later <laughs> oh, with yeah. the mother. I won't spoil that right now, but yeah.
0: Oh, no, spoiler right now because you might have to bounce out before we ever get to that scene while we're oh, actually watching the movie. It's the scene, <laughs>
2: okay, so the little oh, cause one...
0: I'm, I'm get, I mean, because we're in the spoiler section, so we can bounce around this motherfucker oh, as much as we gotcha. want. So I'm guessing you're talking about the dinner scene. Well, Where actually, going... it's the scene
2: is when the mom goes to the car and finds the decapitated daughter oh, and yeah, then okay. goes back in the room and the, her son goes in and peek, peeks in the room and just sees her like dry retching and just crying and the husband's trying to comfort her. It's that scene you're just like, whoa. She's putting like everything into that.
0: Wow. I don't hear many people actually bring up that scene. Everybody seems to bring up the
2: Oh, that's, no the dinner scene's great too. The dinner scene. Yeah, or the or the uh, knocking, you know, attic knocking scene.
1: Yeah, that one right there for me it's when I think about horror, you know, it's super subjective in what makes you scared and what does it for you. But I was thinking, had I had seen this film, probably at the age that Patrick's nephew had watched it at, like I think he's eleven, his nephew.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: Right, I was like, that scene would have had like give me fucking nightmares because I think that's probably the most horrific scene, arguably, in this film, aside from maybe a scene with a telephone pole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that mostly for me was super fucking surprising. Yeah. It was the fact, yeah, the telephone pole was where I was like, with this movie, I was like, oh, shit, they're going for it. Like, this isn't normal. Like, you just decapitated a little girl. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bet Sucker
1: her off. punches you right in the guts.
0: Now, I guess for me...
2: Well, all, well, keep in mind, with that scene right there, what was also good in terms of the cinema and the suspense building is when she gets decapitated, he stops the car, and I think it's like a five-minute scene of him just breathing maybe not five minutes, but it's quite a long, yeah. it's just silence. Like it. Yeah. Silence. And he's just breathing and you can tell on his head, he's like, what he do can't I do? Quite look all the way. Yeah. I he... can't look back. Doesn't know what to do. He's just like, and then eventually comes to the decision. I'll go home. Like nothing ever happened. Yeah. But there's that long period of time where they draw it out and he did a good job with it.
1: Exactly. It, it gives you a sense of what he's going through because of the shock and, and awe value of it, you know, like, Oh, my God, Did that really just happen? And it's what within the th- the first thirty minutes of it, little over two hour film. Mm-hmm. So,, uh, yeah, it's an impactful scene in the way it plays out to like the emotion from the family. And but that's it lends its hand back to that strong acting mm-hmm. you were talking about.
0: So now, I have to say, this is one of those weird movies for me because I did really, really, really enjoy this movie out of everyone i I talked to about this movie. I end up feeling like <laughs> I liked it the least. No, it's okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a yeah, well, all right. someone
2: has to like it the least. Yeah, and that's it's all right. Why not you, Tyler? Yeah,
0: and that's, I'm like, I do really enjoy this movie, but my come away is that there's a lot of things for me, once you get towards the end of the movie, that it feels like the studio really stepped in and made them sort of spell things out, where I think I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more if it would have been the more pulled back... You kind of have to put some of the things together yourself...
2: Castle Rock-ish...
0: Kind of Castle Rock-ish... But like... I guess the thing that really... Because it... I mean... Who knows if we're even going to watch up to this point in the movie... Yeah, so yeah. I... The main example I have of this... There's a few things that happen throughout the movie... And maybe we'll talk about more of them... As we start to get into our notes a little bit deeper... But I think the main example of what I mean by how handholdy it gets is that when she opens up her mother's notes, not only does her mother have a book of notes to even open up in the first place and not just have to put together clues, but then everything that you need to know is actually highlighted, and if you missed that, then another character actually tells you everything that was highlighted a minute and a half later. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
2: (laughs) Isn't that what they say is good writing, is that tell them what you're going to say, say it, Tell them what you just told them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think with the the tone that this movie puts through the middle of the movie, though, it just suddenly was a lot, like I said, hand It feels yeah. like it went from treating me like an adult to treating me like a child.
1: Yeah, and I understand that. I think, too, because this, like I said, it did not have like a huge budget, but eight they've been putting out some pretty solid films mm-hmm. you know, in the theater. This one got a lot of hype, too, so... You're probably right. There was a little bit more of a studio influence in this.
0: Well, and I'm also thinking because it's Ari Aster's it's directorial debut, debut yeah. right? Like, I have is. a feeling, especially was he in his with
1: late twenties when he did. No, this? he's like early thirties, I believe. So he's, he's still young, wow. yeah, yeah, relatively.
0: But I could see in that instance too the studio sort of keeping a little bit of a grip on, like, hey, we're paying for you to have Tony Colette and Gabriel Byrne, exactly. like, we're not going to let you put out a movie that's going to confuse audiences. Yeah, you have and to rein it in a little bit. There was a, that's the thing. I feel like there was a test screening where somebody got confused and that at least one of the scenes that sort of I want to bitch about was put in a reshoot. Yeah. One of those stands out as being like perfect reshoot fodder, which happens all the time on movies. Like um, But it seems influenced <laughs> by a general audience test screening yeah, I can a that. horror audience.
1: Which... One thing I think that's interesting about this film, too, in that regard, is that this is a very divisive film amongst people who did see it in the theater. Because you had one of two things, of course. You had people who either really, really enjoyed this film, or people who just, like, like I can't see why people like this film. They thought it was laughable, and they talk about the scenes that made them laugh, as opposed to make them, you know, scare or what have you. So it makes you wonder, too. It's like... Yeah, you, know, you go in having maybe a preconceived notion of, of what to anticipate. For this one, I seen the trailer and then after that I didn't really much about it and then saw it and I was like, "Wow." <laughs> it kind of took me a little while to get, you know, kind of get my bearings, but you know, it's interesting.
0: Now, I I did go in really fresh on this movie compared to a lot of movies. A lot of movies I really don't care about spoilers and you know just from like bullshitting with me that I'm always checking out like, oh shit, this fucking picture leaked from set, like this is what this means, this is what that means. This movie, I saw the first trailer one time. And trailers do tend to show a little bit more as they go on, and especially things like TV spots and like the week before. Saw none of that. Saw the very first trailer one time. And that's all I knew about this movie. And so that was kind of neat going in. I felt like a couple of things in this movie were telegraphed, but not in a bad way. Yeah. It's just that we watch a lot of fucking horror movies. Yeah, so. we do. <laughs> I don't know, we, we passed this part in the movie not too long ago, so I'm going to bring it up while it's still somewhat relevant. But just the way the movie starts yeah. with the sort of zoom in on the dollhouse and it becomes the real house that they're all working in. I'm like, oh, there's shit. Their lives are being controlled then.
1: Yeah, I mean, already yeah. you know there's an outside like, influence. It's a good, um,
2: that's a good point. Yeah,
1: now there's things in this film that tip a tent really early. The first thing that I noticed, even at the theater, and I had mentioned this to Patrick, was in the obituary, the the first thing that you see is it's describing a matriarch followed by men's death. Mm -hmm. And you already know the film's entitled Hereditary. That kind of lends its hand to something in the family It's like there's some foreshadowing going on here. I don't know what to, you know, to what extent. And then the next thing I I noticed was the charm itself. I was like, all right, so there's a cult aspect to this already. So there's a couple of things. I know there's going to be some foreshadowing and some cult aspects. To what extent, I didn't know.
0: Do we see any particular reason why Tony Collette is wearing that charm during the funeral?
2: He was wearing it?
1: Tony Collette. She was. Oh, she. Yeah, at the wake.
0: Yeah, at when she's
2: up giving her speech. The, yeah. yeah. I don't know, maybe she felt, and maybe her mom always wanted to wear Cause upon Because
0: like, upon rewatch, that almost confused me, because at this point, she's still very resistant to most of their charms. Yeah, no, like. no puns, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is another thing that's interesting, too, is you don't know how far of a reach that cult has, because, you know, this is a spoiler, of course. Later on, we realize, or it's, it's noted that, This family has been set up for a long time with that cult to pass on um, what their ultimate goal was for payment.
0: Oh, man. You know, I'm going to hold off for a little bit. I do want to get into it, but I did do some research on some things that Ari Aster has cleared up, questions that he's had in interviews about this movie, (laughs) and just how much and how long of a reach they've had, and it almost brings more problems for me but i'm just going to ignore the meta text just like i would with fucking jk rowling at this point because his explanations make some things make even less sense to me in my opinion but
2: <laughs> just muddle the waters a little bit more
0: yeah like okay you know what fuck it i'm already talking about it a little bit <laughs>
2: please indulge
0: <laughs> according okay so according to ariaster there's never been a charlie
1: yeah i mean, i understand that
0: that child has been host for Paymon the entire time she's been alive.
1: And I, I understand that.
0: I understand what he's saying with that, mm-hmm. but I think with what we see in the last act of this movie, the sort of power that can be exerted once one is a host of Paymon, that makes me wonder how it took this long in the first place.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's, it has a... It doesn't follow, like, a certain... There are some faults, you know, like, logical mm-hmm. things, like, for instance, why isn't there any like cop presence or authority presence? Anywhere? Yeah, like at all. <laughs> and the thing I look at it this way is that because this... Maybe they're part of the cult too. Well, perhaps, but I think knowing that because of these films that we've reviewed over, you know, over time, when you have this outside influence and you don't really know what it, the powers are, to what extent, what influence it has, to what extent... Sometimes you can kind of do away with some things of logic, you know, because it is a film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I just. But I know what you mean. It's I, I think like, there's logically... ways to smooth some of this out yeah. that a lot of other movies do. And it feels like this movie was written smart enough that it was smoothed out and somebody stuck their nose in. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> the intent... That's too, how it always like... feels like to me in this particular movie, which is why I'm like, oh no, Ari Aster is just a hack and doesn't know how to write right. this. I feel like he has his... He knows what One way to find doing. out
2: if that's true or not is how the next movie plays out, because he probably made a bargain. That would be something along the lines of, I'll make oh, my sure. changes now so that my next movie under you, you'll give me free reign. So, if you see that's that his next point. movie seems to be more of what you're thinking it yeah. should have been, yeah. it might give a tip off to the fact you that know, that's, that a, that's on this a good one point he because he wanted to. do. Because well, this and is the success of this you. is going to help too. Oh, yeah.
0: How yeah, successful yeah. this movie was is going to let them have more trust in his decisions yeah. going forward totally more, more More leverage too. Kind of like how, for some reason, people started trusting Michael Bay. we like
1: explosions and uh you know you got a formula that works
0: right but as he kept being successful people just kept letting him do what the fuck he wanted to do as long as it makes money basically so
1: (laughs) yeah no doubt now here's something that upon further view and i noted this to patrick when we had talked about this film was the use of the color palette right most horror films like to dabble. And using red hues and blue hues. And there's a lot of that in this film, but there's also a lot of gold or yellow hues in this film. It's like the cult aspect, I feel. It certainly is. And one of the reasons being is because Payman, one of the colors that he represents, or, you know, uh, is the color gold. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting because, you know, the more that you watch for details and pick up on these signs and stuff like that, it's like that was an interesting way of incorporating that in this film. Just letting you know that it's always there, ever present.
0: So we, we're a couple minutes past it now watching this, but there's a couple things that I want to bring up about the classroom scene that we just finished. Yeah, yeah. First off, did you guys ever stop to read what those fucking two were actually texting? Yes.
2: Oh, yeah. What the
0: fuck? Is there a hidden, like, storyline going on in this movie? It's like waxing magic or something. Is there a, hidden, yeah, is there yeah, a yeah. hidden gay subplot in this movie? Because, <laughs> here, I took a fucking picture of it. I'm going to read this out. Because what most people notice in this scene is just the very bottom part. the fucking want to smoke a bullet break. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. To get... There's
1: stuff above it.
0: And above it, you have, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what's going on? Working. Want to twirl around later? And then, sure, just let me finish waxing my D. Good luck. Send pics.
2: Yeah, you wonder if it's, like, an actual meaning or, or some just being... He but then he's he sitting there watching out uh, the woman Bechdel's ass yeah, yeah. her yeah. name's
0: Bechdel she always passes the Bechdel test <laughs> <laughs> That's funny something like Alexis Bechdel or something like All that. Right. I can't remember her exact name but
1: <laughs> so here's one of these scenes that we're on right now where she's actually entering that like grieve group yeah losing a loved one
0: this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie yeah
1: and this is kind of a tale as well for me too because i was thinking all right she's being influenced to a certain extent because she's like opening up right now like for somebody who's there for their first time like they're really opening it up
0: see so for me the reason i love this scene is This is one of those scenes that sort of shows uh, something we've talked about before in the past, which is the weird uh, relationship between horror and comedy. And this scene plays out like a comedy bit. Yeah. Where she doesn't want to share, and (laughs) they all stare at her until she starts to share.
2: She shares a bit too much. (laughs) And then she
0: keeps sharing. and, And then when she starts sharing, it just keeps getting worse and Compounding worse yep. and compounding exactly. worse with no one fucking batting an eye. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a comedy. The human psyche bit. is could,
2: just one big comedy, essentially. You
0: could play this bit on like mad TV and it would play just as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the change uh, the
2: music and make it, yeah, definitely.
1: The awkwardness of it, yeah, just the fact that she's opening up. Why are people just looking
0: at her? There's also something, it took me like three times watching this till I noticed that she mentions, I think it's her brother, yeah, committing yes. suicide because she said her mom was trying to put people in him. Yeah,
1: mm. There's tales, like I said, in this. Yeah, where it sounds like upon first listen, first view, that her family has a history of mental disorders, right? Did, uh, which is like disassociative identity disorder. Her dad suffered from, it was like manic or psychotic depression and wound up starving himself to death. Yeah, and her brother was believed to be schizophrenic. Said so the mother was trying to put people inside of him, oh, yeah. so he, yeah, he hung himself. So let as, you know that you know later on. Yeah, what, what so it was, already it's setting on. itself up as there's this family dynamic. Sounds like it has to do with mental disorders. To what extent with her family, we don't know yet.
0: See, and it's like the little details yeah. like that which make me think Ari knows what's going on. Oh yeah, somebody else sure. wasn't putting it together
1: for sure. Yeah. And you're right. I think you're, you're probably right with the fact that it is his debut. There's going to be a little bit more of a studio hand guiding it a certain way, which makes sense. Goddamn, Tony Collette
0: kills it. She She's starting to turn it on so right now, good. and on. just no sound even. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, she gives a, a brilliant performance. She got snubbed for sure.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Most well, probably because of
2: the genre of the movie to begin with. Well, yeah. Well, I know we've mentioned already this biased too against, against it.
1: The horror genre I mean there are reasons, but outside of that, it's kind of a bastard child of the movie genres, you know. Which is funny because it knocks it out of the ballpark with a lot of franchises, but still gets shit on during award season.
0: I wish I knew the actual language of cinematography better to describe That's very Need the, Patrick. Oh. I know. To describe some of the things I see going on in this movie, and it's weird because the scene we're watching right now isn't one of the ones that actually shows what I'm about to say, but it ties back into what I mentioned before with how the movie was started, and I do feel like they do a really good job of like ninety percent of this movie to me feels like you're looking in yeah, into sure. a fucking dollhouse, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's the thing is you have this outsider. It's like a voyeuristic view of a family going through trauma and grief. And it is awkward watching a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Holy shit, go.
0: huge party tomorrow at Aaron's house. Bring your dick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's like I have a choice, but all right. <laughs> Another thing I noticed with the girl, Charlie, in this film, is she has like a flirt, or she flirts with like death. Like, the first thing that I noticed was be, her being in the treehouse, right? Mm-hmm. And they make note that it's cold up there and she can get pneumonia and whatnot. And she's like, that's all right. So she kind of dismisses it. The next thing she's eating, like, chocolate bars with nuts yeah, <laughs> at the wake. Be, she's allergic to... Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, all right, she's already flirting with, like, disaster. And she has, like, no cares. So I was like, huh, I wonder what's going on with this girl. She already has these weird behaviors.
0: Hmm. We can't see it in the scene, though. I know Charlie's room is one of the rooms that has some writing on the walls. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's with the writing? I tried looking up some of the shit, and it looked like it was just like supposed to be.
1: I did have some notes on the on that, particularly it the pop, symbols and the hidden words. The writing
2: pops up where incidents happen. Wasn't it like on the telephone pole that was writing?
0: The telephone pole has the cult it has, symbol. has yeah, oh, yeah, 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 the not gotcha. so oh. yeah,
1: actual writing. So one of the first ones that you see is. Uh, is the the word satoni.
0: and that's the one that's that's hard to track down.
1: So what I got from my notes from this is that that word is in reference to a, a ritual of necromancy, and it's used for communicating with the dead. So that's kind of a way of I, I think, think opening one of up Crowley's channels.
0: Crowley's writings.
1: This yeah, the next one is what I have for Aleister Crowley. So the next term that you see is zazas.
0: Oh, okay, that's... Right,
1: and that's a word used by Alistair Crowley to summon the demon Corazon. And from what I understand, is like he and a couple other people, I think, were out in the the desert, somewhere in Africa. I can't remember exactly which country. But, you know, they claim that they went out there and summoned this particular demon, and that was one of the words they used Hmm. to summon him.
0: That particular demon is used as a character in Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. Yeah,
1: I read about that. It's pretty neat. And the last term that you get to see is it's called "liftoch uh, pandemonium," and so I, part of that is it's part of it's Hebrew and, and some of it's is Latin,
2: okay.
1: "liftoch" or "liftoch." Yeah, uh,
0: what would that be? So that part that
1: part of the word means to open up, right? Right. And of course, uh, pandemonium or pandemium is referring to hell, Dante's Inferno. So that term means it's the place of all demons, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly.
2: attacked event horizon yeah. oh.
0: <laughs> open up the place of all demons basically
1: yeah so that right there lets me know that there was an outside influence on the inside of this home right so you have the miniatures right that they they're being an outside viewer of and there were being the outside viewer of their world but a lot of this stuff too it took me a little while to kind of understand what was going on with certain images like that like for instance the woman that visits Charlie across the street while she's at school, and then later on, Joan or Joni visits Peter, right? And no one seems to notice outside of them. And I was like, "Oh, that's is interesting." And I was like, "Oh, well, they're astral projecting is what they're doing. That's part of what this group can do. I mean, it's not really spelled out, but the thing that helped
2: is that on it, the promotional flyer for why you joined.
1: <laughs> yeah, what what it spelled it out for me is when Annie. Starts to realize that that woman was a part of the cult the whole time. She goes to her apartment to confront her, and then you see the diorama of what happens later on in the film, and certain things with Peter attached to it, and you see the triangle. Mm -hmm. So there's already an association with that. So anyway, that's like that's probably how she was communicating with Peter. She was astral projecting inside her apartment.
0: Justin, what you just said has me wanting to to jump way to the end for a minute partially because because you only have like 35 more minutes anyway yeah so if we go all the way to the end if you're asking the question why would you join what's in the pamphlet oh. for why you would join oh. right well King Astral Projecting bring, is one Astral Projecting apparently he's oh. supposed to bring you riches but who needs what, a head
2: anyways they look pretty horrific
0: what do you guys think actually happens right after this movie ends oh yeah They've put... The cult's one basically. Yeah, yeah. They're all surrounding...
2: Paimon's there in, in the sun's body mm-hmm. as, yeah, yeah. as a form, and they've been brought back to pay homage. Yeah, um, what do you guys think Well, based right on the right picture from the book, movie, yeah. they get showered in gold coins and rubies. Yeah, so apparently... That
1: book that they opened <coughs> had me. that picture in there. Yeah,
2: Paimon is supposed to grant you like wealth.
1: He'll show you hidden treasures. And along with that, you also get to learn about... The sciences and the arts, and I think some of the people, demons that that are along with him too, uh, they call familiars, and they also grant whatever their powers might be. So you gain all this wealth and knowledge and riches, a lot of influence. So,
0: but now that he's actually yeah. back, what do you actually think happens? Because I talked to this with Patrick after I watch this for the first time. My very first thought when I got done watching this movie for the first time was, he's about to kill them all.
2: Well, they're already, aren't they? All he's mean, a demon king, which he doesn't have to kill, grant out any of his. Kill to work. whom? Like the people that already killed themselves with their heads off.
0: Uh, all of them. They're everybody. Dead. Everybody in there. They're that, already dead. They've not, been, everybody. Been not everybody. Been not, brought, not
1: everybody, oh. but well, what I gather, this is just from my thoughts on it, is because Payman has been trapped in Charlie since her birth, right, and mm-hmm. she's a 12 13 years old yeah right so
0: 13 he, i believe
1: he only identifies right now or you know payment itself as that little girl right as charlie he doesn't identify as i am payment you know, the demon king so there's a little bit of that why it's being explained to peter payment later on that you are the demon king that's why she's referred to or he's referred to as charlie right to get him situated payment So that way he doesn't freak out and start annihilating people. So there's a little bit of like them trying to explain this transitioning that's happening, like, alright, now you're in this boy's body, Peter's body, it still recognizes itself as Charlie, and it needs now it needs to recognize itself as Payman.
0: See, in my eyes, what you end up with at the very end of this movie is you have a demon king who Through, maybe not incompetence, because they were working at it the entire time, but as you just said, he has been trapped in a little girl's body for the past 13 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's brought back by this cult, and all of his worshippers who are around him are all of these flabby, (laughs) just overall kind of disgusting people, Yeah, none of whom... Seem like the kind of people you really think about when you're like, I want followers, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, they're just like middle-aged people, everyday, everyday members. And it's not like he's brought back in like this temple or this place of like, oh my god, we're like we're putting you up on high. It's not this pedestal. He's out in a fucking treehouse. He's got a crown on that the only thing that it made me think of was fucking wear the wild things are. <laughs> and he's yeah. got a busted fucking nose. And he's a demon king. He's about yeah. to kill all of them. He doesn't need a single one of them anymore.
2: Has Assuming that feynman has been <clears throat> brought back many a times, being brought back in a treehouse might not be the worst. Yeah. To
0: me, it all just, by the end of it, it yeah. showed to me it showed the, almost like the true tragedy in all of this is that all of this evil was done and this family's life was torn apart for generations for this, almost yeah, almost yeah, yeah, for to generations this almost to have this mockery happen something where like even if you did get brought back you're like really this is what you guys are fucking giving me like yeah yeah fuck this noise like i these riches are mine yeah well <laughs> i mean
1: you know how much do you how much do you read also too, into the payment part of the story you know like the mythology that comes along with it and what it represents, and, you know, what this group ultimately wants from it, you know. We don't really know at the end. We just know that some of it, too, is, like, the opposite of...
0: Um, oh, just
1: like, oh, fucking there oh, yeah. with the head.
0: Oh. <laughs> you
1: know, some of the, the symbology that he uses in this film is, like, it could be viewed as anti-Christian. A lot of the imagery of, like, Jesus that you see in art and things like that with halos, he does... Kind of the antithesis of that, even with the hands you know, like gestures when Peter is like possessed in the classroom, you know his his hands and his his you know gestures and things like that are the antithesis. So I guess what I'm getting with that is you get to see the final scene looks like the manger scene. There's a, a birth or a rebirth, <laughs> you know. There's a lot to be said about that too. It, like I said, it's just how much do you want to read into that mythology? You know, I guess it spells it all different ways.
0: Yeah. I ultimately think anytime you bring, you actually successfully bring a demon back, there's suddenly <laughs> yeah. no reason for the demon to keep you around.
2: No, I mean, I completely understand that. That, no, no, that would make it, unless sense. Unless demons are bound by certain laws we don't know about. Right. Yeah, which, and we're never know. given that we information. don't know. Because I'm reading case. a book exactly. right now mm-hmm. in, I've got the guy's name already. Oh, so bad. It's called Jerusalem. It's a series by a British guy. And um, he's talking about right now that people are in, they've died and they're in this afterlife aspect. It's called like the. Um, yeah, if like they're in the afterlife, and there's certain things going on there with angels and so forth, but there's also demons, and there's certain rules that they're bound by. So you never know. Like promises so, must be kept. Yeah, there's certain no things,
0: too, with
1: the people who conjure payment, right? They said that when he is summoned, there's usually a loud sound, like an indecipherable sound that's associated until the conjurer commands him to speak in a, a discernible language that, you know, the person can understand. And then from there, it's, a, it's like an understanding, like, what do you want from me? And then in return, this, you know, you have this other stuff that's granted. So you are kind of bound by certain laws, but you're also tied to other things that come along with it. You know, so.
2: Who knows? I yeah. like to think happily that his followers were rewarded with riches, whatever they may be. Art, yeah. sciences, wealth exactly a new head yeah I, I don't know
1: no I, like I said the mother she leaves a note to Annie that pretty much describes you know that the suffering or the pain it's that we're going to go through yeah it's going to be worth it in riches and gold etc in the end so it's already spelled out that that's what they believe like they're going to be showered with this wealth so but you know you know, like you said in payment's best interest would, would be the point <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> look at the fine print on the contract
1: and yeah exactly the- so that's what I'm saying it's like how much is payment tied to them or vice versa right yeah just, and just even <laughs> when
0: Paymon eventually is in Tony Collette you sort of see that he does have the power to do what the fuck he wants if he wants to
1: yeah well th- I think too like which is uh, kind
0: of where the movie loses me again because if yeah. Came on being in you can turn you into a superhuman, which this movie supposes.
2: But maybe it goes back to Danny's thing where he in the child for so long, by the time the child became physically able to do things, it was just so the spirit was so dumbed down and Maybe when it transferred back over to Tony, it got awakening again. Like, I know who I am. But
0: maybe this is the problem, is that the movie never gives any of this, and we're having to well, Exactly, of
1: it. exactly. It, it is and a, make a, our own excuses. A lot of it. it is hypothetical. Mm. A lot of it is kind of based <laughs> off of some of this payment mythology. From what I understand, too, is like payment does not like to be in female bodies. You know, Even though he has effeminate features and things like that, he identifies as a, a male. So that's why they need Peter.
0: But exactly. Peter's yeah. always
1: been sheltered. And it's not until I think he's in Tony Collette's character where I do want to point
0: out that this is some fucking amazing. That is
1: shocking, yeah. And then this This scene scene right here. I like there's flashes too, right? And you know there's something sinister going on because the next scene is like he's in the hallway. It's a very disturbing image because of the trauma that's going on in this room. He's in the hallway listening to his mother grieve while he's also grieving. (laughs) It's like it's harrowing. That's the thing that got to me a lot in this film, which just the tension that you feel for this family. It's just very atmospheric, very slow burn. I mean, I kind of like that. You know, I know it's not for everybody, but...
2: It doesn't get straight to it.
1: Yeah, and the score too. It, it, makes things unsettling in this film.
0: To bounce back, since we're kind of on about the head right now, one of the neat things I noticed upon third rewatch, at the party, when he walks into the room to smoke weed, and he makes that decision oh, to the leave computer. his system to the, leave his sister alone. Yeah. As he walks into the room, they're showing a guillotine going on the screen. Oh. As some Fair really for neat Brogan. little Yeah, on. there's
1: like some kids watching a black and white horror film. Or... That
0: is one of those scenes that sort of requires him to hold a fucking... Be, so, the, be the idiot a little bit because he doesn't want his sister coming in because he's going to smoke weed, but he's at a party pointing her towards brownies. This probably, is some of that use so, of gold and yellow I was talking about, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. On top of so when Charlie dies, the, the spirit is once again... Up in the air. Well, figuratively, I say that. Maybe right. Just it's too. still
1: present, but it's it needs a host, now. and that's why they brought. Okay, right, right. God. And so that's why this particular family is important to that role. It's a part of that hereditary. It has to go down that chain of command. So I still feel like that
0: cult has an outside
1: influence to heart. Like I do think so. Weirdly, control them.
0: One of the other things that didn't make it to the final cut of this movie that I did read about, though, that I think if it would have made it to the final cut of this movie would explain a little bit better why it took the cult so long to have influence on the family is actually Gabriel Byrne. And it was supposed to be made explicitly clear at some point in the movie that he at one point was Tony Collette's therapist.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And he is a shrink by trade.
1: Mm, exactly.
0: And I think
1: this is inter- true things.
0: Yeah, no, no, this is like... That was something that was in yeah, the was, script yeah,
1: that never made it to the oh, okay. final cut. Exactly. So that
2: he's the one that's keeping, well, I wouldn't say keeping the family together, but he's the one that's preventing the, what, hereditarily, to right. use that word, is mm-hmm. supposed to happen with the family.
1: Exactly. So he's something that's a little bit of like, uh, he's the bond a little bit, but the foundation's already shaky. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I do think if they would have kept that in, though, that would have maybe better explained why it took the cult so long.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. That's knowing, why I, I mean
0: knowing that though, like and you can kind of see it. But uh, also the mother is she's,
1: she's really resistant at first too, though. Exactly. She really is. It's not until that tragedy starts to compound itself. That's where that vulnerability, like it's it's noted that in order to to have a host, it needs it to be vulnerable.
0: At their lowest. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So that's why there's like a certain chain of command, like who's Which the most vulnerable at certain times? I'm kinda events.
0: surprised the at the lowest moment didn't happen years before when she was influenced enough to set him on fire in her sleep yeah <laughs> yeah but because we we heard the the tale of that happening i'm really surprised that that wasn't considered the lowest place the scene that you brought up of her breaking down
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's after that part that she starts as we just Taking saw the, yeah. the, the treehouse and when paimon enters a host there's supposed to be a loud sound and light and when she's breaking down in her room, there are lightning flashes. Yeah. And
1: that's the thing, because you see flashes of light that's associated with payment in this film, mm-hmm. right? And that was... And
0: he's starting to get on his way there now. Yep. I'm still surprised that it, yeah, your mom I trying know, to burn yeah. you to death in your sleep isn't considered that.
1: But. I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, this too, like, he's starting to take on, like, certain traits of his sister. Like, he's starting to kind of empathize with what she was experiencing in her last moments. So it makes me wonder how much of an influence he was starting to get because he's starting to freak out now. This is could, could be viewed as like a, an anti-smoking
2: <laughs> segment. I guess another question. So they were talking about, obviously, she's taking on some of the characteristics of Charlie, and he's talk, um, Tyler was talking about loud sound, flash white. So you see the taking over another host starting. It said that the mom had tried lighting the sun on fire, but Charlie is where, at the time, is where... Um, payment was so what would be influencing her to do that
0: well there seems to be the overall influence because that's the only way that you can like explain the fact that the cult marked the exact so the outside fucking... the
2: outside influence that you're talking about yeah
1: i've read too where some people like uh, theorize that subconsciously she was trying to stop this stuff from happening so that's why, son, so yeah, never... she's like, she's gonna end the cycle right there, but when she gets snapped out of it, that could be a part of the cult, like, stopping her from doing that shit. So it still has that influence to keep these things going. Mm-hmm. Uh, she
2: was very particular in keeping her son away from Yeah, her exactly.
1: Mother. So there, there's already a resistance. She's already made it known that she's resisting her mother. So her mother is kind of backdoor doing this shit. She's like, alright, fuck you. I don't need you. I can go straight to your kids. Yeah, this is like, man... The thing that really got me too is like if you've ever gone through any kind of family tragedy or just dealt with awkwardness, like this movie fucking hits home. <laughs> I get it; it'll hit you.
2: Yeah, it's a dysfunctional family. It really also is. It's, so
0: I do appreciate too. I I've been getting on the fact that the cult seems way too powerful for things to have taken as long as it does. But the movie, in its defense, does show the cult not getting their way the first time because she's about to be stopped by... If I, what's her name? Joan? Yeah, or Jenny. Joan. Which eventually leads to, like, the seance thing and shit. Yeah. But well, I mean the, the, the cult red tried... right there
1: alone kind of hints its hand that she's up to no
0: nugget. Yeah. But the <laughs> the cult tried this super direct manner do we think just Nicole... a couple Is scenes he, before think it's just by her? slipping something Or do you think yeah, it's more members
2: that. of that group that
0: were in the... Ther- in the uh... Yeah, they were already group? in
1: the... the
0: oh, the I wake. think that...
2: You think the whole grieving group is...
0: I think that's the only cool members, way the or? earlier scene there makes could be sense it, yeah. with none so of them. So it's not just
1: her acting. then? Well, you know, you got to keep in mind too that the cult is already at the grandmother's wake. So they, <laughs> they're already in, you know? Yeah. They already have an influence. They've already been having an influence. It makes me wonder too, like, how much this support group is influencing her to get in touch with either Joan or outside members who are setting this up, you know, to what extent.
0: Yeah, I mean, this ultimately seems like plan B, because they wanted Tony Colette to just go by herself when they slipped that fucking pamphlet into her mail.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that really, I think, like, hit home was, like, when they started playing on the uh, the seance, like, empathy part, making you feel like, you know, you have these connections with children, and children with death it's like it's already going to hit these chords with a lot of people like that's a very sensitive subject already so <laughs> I was like man they are really pulling you in with making you think that Joan's kind of an empathetic character but she's really up to like some sinister shit yeah
2: <laughs> which you don't realize that until yeah until I mean, a, a little piece later together. yeah
1: but I'm like man she does such a good job of setting her up this whole time reeling her in <laughs> She's just got her man but yeah, she's a really good actress too.
0: So getting ahead to the, we'll say the two different seances, the one with Joan and then further Yeah, the with one the family, way she does, yeah. That is one of the only other things, I've bitched a lot already, but I think that's the only other very specific bitching that I can bring up, is I wish they wouldn't keep bringing up the unpronounceable words. <laughs> yeah. It was just really <laughs> noticeable after the first time. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm funny. like, well quit bringing fucking attention to it because like one time it's just like okay cool they couldn't think of something that fits like whatever like fucking other shows and shit do that all the time (laughs) or if not you get you know unobtainium you know what I mean like they just throw in something bullshit and they roll with it and so I was like okay cool just skip over it and keep going and that's cool and then they kept drawing attention back to it what fucking language is that anyway like
1: (laughs) yeah that's funny man
0: they keep not saying it and I'm like Quit bringing attention to it. Yeah, stop so doing that. <laughs> that's funny. Well, oh, I guess that was that, just a little nip. Yeah, I was about to right?
2: say, for all things that could be, you yeah. know, for any movie pitched about, that would just be... My I just very, thought it was weird very
0: that they kept bringing it up when they didn't have something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was the
1: studio. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, this is another thing I was talking about with the use of blue in this film. How much he really really enjoyed using that hue. There's scenes too that I noticed uh, especially with the, the scenes with Peter in the school if you notice like the kids are just the background there's something blue there's always something boiling. <laughs> it's just it's like you can't help but notice it even in these scenes you see that, that light blue so uh, I, I kind of paid note of that. And the red hues once again just lets me know there's something sinister that's associated with that.
2: I would agree. Yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah. I there's there's have only seen it one time through, but now that we're yeah. watching it again and you're mentioning it as we go, these things are quite obvious. Yes, this is very obvious. There's blue hues throughout it. There's definitely gold theme too. Yeah, I just didn't first time going through. You're just trying to focus on getting pieces put together exactly, and understand the plot. I'm gonna have to give it another watch and start focusing yeah. on the other aspects.
1: It's just some of the, the things that I noticed too is the fact that we know that the grandmother. Or the grave was desecrated. Yep. And so oh, they make like here we go. Here's yeah, the seance, there's the outside influence. But yep. she doesn't
0: go. So then Joni has her do it. Anyway.
1: Exactly. So they're.
0: So she failed. They failed one time. Right. But then they exactly. had a backup plan. And then even her. So too. that's cool. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: She's even like boom. She's being influenced. She's being very passe about this stuff that she's finding in her home. <laughs> you know, even the uh, the scene with her daughter. She's just very passe about it, you know, She so just need a very neutral. It's like, that's not a very neutral view. Almost like it's happened. a matter of
2: fact type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know. yeah her head well, came off. There's some more blue for you, Justin. <laughs> there you go again. Yeah. More blue. And there's the yellow kind of gold. Yeah.
0: And if we want to tie into the sort of like folklore and occult yeah. and magical theories that are out there and exist then we touched on this for a second when we talked about voodoo Mm -hmm. before and how a lot of the things that people think about in voodoo like voodoo dolls and stuff didn't actually originate with voodoo but that's actually from european witchcraft because the people that were writing early voodoo stories actually didn't know anything about voodoo (laughs) so they wrote about what they knew exactly and things like voodoo dolls the equivalent in european witchcraft is based on what would be called thaumaturgy which is the idea of something on a small scale being linked and happening, making it happen on a large scale. And so all of these things that she's doing with the dioramas could be seen as the cult influencing her to make their influences stronger by reinforcing them through thaumaturgy.
1: That makes sense, yeah. I know what you're saying.
0: As she's making it happen on yeah. a small scale, she's reinforcing it on the larger exactly. scale.
1: Exactly. It's like a link in a mm-hmm. way, yeah. Just uh, making that and bond kind of stronger, anchoring
0: it in place, and... yeah,
1: makes sense. And she's unaware of that. That's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing too with the family is that there is an artistic hereditary link too with the daughter. She likes to draw and create this oh, more I abstract didn't art. Think
0: of the art because yeah. the grandma makes the welcome mats.
2: Yeah, and she just catches it when she walks in and says, That kind of looks like the welcome that my mother makes.
0: And yeah, she like, oh, jokes oh, it off. Yeah,
1: oh, yeah. D- interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But then she makes the dioramas, the daughter draws. Even Joni,
1: she makes dioramas. She's artistic as well. So there's this artistic bond amongst these women. Well, maybe one of the gifts. Perhaps. Sorry, yeah. the show, well, maybe I was saying the arts is yeah, a part knows? of what happens yeah so it's interesting but this first time watching it without you know picking it apart my initial impression was like all right she's an empathetic character i didn't know she was like sinister like this right here lets you know too there's something up with the (laughs) t you don't really pay attention to it she's like oh whatever i didn't know what her character's purpose was until i think maybe the seance scene is like oh she is up to no good because right now i'm just thinking she's an empathetic character It wasn't much later, like until I found out, man, this bitch. She's part of the cult. She's making the moves, getting the influence, (laughs) setting her hooks in Tony Collette.
2: Yeah, but yeah, you start to notice that when it's during the séance when you're like, okay, she's not who she really says she is, or there's more to her than.
1: She's being very, very forthcoming and forthright with like all this weird occult stuff but she's like
2: but she's masking she it in ba- a very harmless exactly.
1: fashion exactly she's she's preying upon her weakness she's very vulnerable right now because she's dealing with grief mm-hmm. and you know right back to her daughter so she's using her grandson and her son as that anchor yeah it's very sinister it's like well yeah, I'm
0: she, kind so. of reminiscent of some of those fucking TV psychics and shit
1: Oh, yeah. I, first thing that came to mind was, like, crossing over with John Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> it was the first thing. I was like, oh, shit, we're going to see that, like, uh, in this movie?
0: <laughs> That's kind of where I thought it was heading, too. Especially, so no bullshit, pun intended, but I had just re-watched the Penn and Teller bullshit episode oh. <laughs> on <Nice. Yeah. laughs> fucking Talking to the Dead.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then
0: I watched this movie, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I almost shit. thought
1: they were going to go to, like, something similar to that. The way that they were setting this up,
0: I wasn't positive until this point in the movie that there actually was going to be, I guess, a full, full on supernatural aspect. I had guessed cult from the beginning, just Yeah. because yeah. The, you, the, you help but yeah, the clues that are given early on. But I was like, is it going to be a cult, or is it going to be a successful cult? Because there's a lot of difference between those two. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: I didn't know how satanic it was going to get. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I was like, ooh, this? yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I knew it was going pretty satanic when I saw the headless body floating up to the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That was like a dead tree house. It's like mind. okay,
2: yeah. <laughs> this shit's a little more darker than I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's interesting too. To note is scenes like that when I've read reviews that are typically negative, where people are like, oh, I laughed at that. I was like because it was ridiculous. It's like. Yes and no. It's like, yeah, typically you don't see floating bodies going into a treehouse.
2: I think it's when Jen was like, that was the thing that she mentioned. She goes, it really stunned her because the last thing she was expecting was a headless body. By the way, it had just basically beheaded itself by using a piece of wire. Yes, exactly. Up in the attic. That same body then just floating magically Floats up to up the treehouse. It's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs>
0: so it's funny I was talking about this movie with some of our Test Your Fright contestants with Quincy and Haley nice and we were talking sort of about the ending sequence and stuff and the ending sort of lost them a little bit because of how it went to the cult and like, the more supernatural side. and They're like, we were totally on board for the family drama aspect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's
2: what's amazing, yeah. It starts off as, like, a, a psychological thing just within a dysfunctional family. Exactly. But then it turns out there really is a legitimate cultish thing going on that's influencing it. I and mean, right. they're like,
0: where the fuck did this, like, all this crazy shit come if from? You watch and it, I was like, oh... I basically oh, watch
2: it again. Like, they'll see the signs ahead of it. Exactly. It's just the first exactly. time through you're just trying to piece together no, the family. And, and that's the thing. There's a lot of things
1: that you have to... If you're watching it critically it'll stand out, but if you're not, you're just trying to follow the film for what it's worth, then it's going to leave you with some questions. Yeah. You know, it certainly will.
0: And it's funny, because I had a time, I'm like, oh, my first time through, I was like, when are they going to get to the cult? Because they yeah. set that up yeah, early, yeah. and I really want to see what the fuck's going so on. You, I you think caught that's it great. right away, though. I knew, yeah, exactly. Oh, I knew I, it was cult right away, I just didn't know to what extent.
2: I knew, yeah, I knew it was cult. Also, but I was thinking more like just her mom had some crazy following. Yeah, but I didn't know. realize how in depth it was. She's so... like uh, the Kool Aid cult.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. When they w- like <laughs> I said earlier, when they went in that dollhouse, I'm like, oh, that's a sign that they're not in control of their own lives.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so, that's only because we've been watching a lot of that kind um, of movie lately, like Housewife and all that sort of shit.
1: Yeah, it, it is kind of a unique kind of narrative and, and a thing that they're playing with. With that, which I, I like a lot, is the supernatural kind of Lovecraftian tell. It's like, there's such an outside influence that it kind of, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit, you know, in order for Mm -hmm. it to make any sense. It's like, it's not going to make 100% logical reasoning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just not. God, here's the thing, too. As much as I've been piping up about shit that I didn't like about this movie, this movie's like my number three movie of last year.
1: Yeah. Like I said, like I, I, now, it
0: would kind of be shitty if you only watched three movies. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, no, no I watched a, a shit ton of movies yeah. okay, last year.
0: Okay, that's good. Yeah, uh, or Okay, so there was a lot of movies last year. So maybe overall out of movies, it would be maybe a little bit further down. But horror movies, it's my number three. And the only yeah, things no, that topped fair. it were Suspiria and Mandy.
1: That's a fair top three, regardless of which order you have those in. Yeah, I think it's a fair order to have from last year.
0: Yeah, I mean... If we're talking about all the movies last year, yeah, right, like understand. Endgame and shit happened. I mean, not Endgame, but Infinity War yeah, happened. Endgame's yeah, Endgame's yeah. about to happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would just like to thank you for uh, taking the time to bring me on. I have to get myself going. Oh, absolutely, right. Bye, Justin, it's been just a pleasure. Man. Enjoyed it. We'll miss you, buddy. I will see you at work tomorrow. Sounds good, and I'll man. see you on Wednesday. It sounds
1: good. All right. And you yeah, have a good night.
0: Everybody say bye to Justin. Bye, bye everybody. Justin. Thanks for watching. I mean, listening. <laughs> oh, and watching. Go check out Justin as his turn is, as Sunshine, Sunshine. on Jafar. Go check out the YouTube. That's just a... You are movie. my star. <laughs> Justin, you are always our star.
1: See so, ya. Yeah. Nice. All right. So a few things I do want to know was in a theater experience watching this film.
0: See, I do really wish I would have had a theater experience now with this movie. Yeah, and I think that's cool the
1: thing too. that really, like I said, concretely like what solidified it as my number one was that experience because the way that the sound design is in this film, the thing that really blew my mind, and it's like it uses this really low sonic rumble throughout, and I think at one point it's, it goes on for like 15 minutes. Oh, geez. 15 to 20 minutes, I think. Because I went and seen it with Patrick and his nephew, I was like, "Man, is that coming from the theater next to us?" Mm-hmm. And then it went on a lot longer than I anticipated, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's actually coming in from this theater that we're in." And it's like it kind of makes it, you know makes you feel uneasy, mm-hmm. but I like that about this film because it builds to that tension and drama that it's going for. So it's layered with you know you following this uh, family tragedy drama. And then on the outside, you've got this cult shit that doesn't really. I mean, it's working in its favor because it's making these people very vulnerable. But as long as their shit's getting fulfilled, it, they could care less what's going on with this family. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just taking advantage of the fact that this tragedy is happening and it's uh, compounding.
0: I did see one other thing. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit just because I already closed my notes because I got through most of them. Because, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, there's that's not funny. much else I'm going to bring up. Except for this one thing, and I do feel that Ari was successful in this, and I saw a quote, and it's, this is paraphrased once again, where he said this movie is basically a demonic possession movie from the viewpoint of the sacrificial lamb.
1: Yeah, and I can understand that, yeah. And
0: that, he succeeded. Yeah, the, this makes is absolutely sense. what this movie is. Yeah. For any little things I do have, like I said, I don't think it was his. I, I feel like Especially, I haven't watched his short yet, but you did. It sounds like he's a very transgressive filmmaker when he chooses to be. Yeah. And (laughs) that's
1: the thing that I, I recognize is that just watching the strange thing about the Johnsons and then watching this is noting that he's not afraid to talk about family matters, you know, like taboo subjects and things that kind of go against the mainstream. So I saw what he did when he wants to be a little bit more creative in his storytelling and provocative as well so yeah this one lets me know like i said there's a little bit more of that studio hand which is fun i mean it's still made for a really good film i understand why it's polarizing for a lot of people but for me because we do this you know week in a week out i appreciate it for its technical merits
0: honestly that one midsummer trailer that we watched looked so good that it already almost looks like he might have made our generation's wicker man.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I'm that's probably tired. a good way of looking at that. I uh,
0: mean, I, I'm going to try not to keep it that hyped up in my mind so I don't get let down. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's one of the highest bars you could put out there. But <laughs> No
1: doubt. Well, the thing that excited me about this film, too, was the fact that it did go satanic with the cold aspect of it. Man, 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 man. Yeah, and I was like, "Ooh," it's like I know that's a touchy subject for a lot of people too, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you lean certain ways, you know. And I was like, "I'm glad that they're doing that because when you read about the things about payment and just the the whole thing that you know goes along with it demonology wise, and it's like I like it. It it can be scary for certain people. Like some people just don't like digging into that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm like, I'm glad he tackled it. And he he made note that you know he's like he was raised jewish but he doesn't you know he's agnostic atheist whatnot Mm -hmm. so he's like yeah i can i have a little bit of freedom i can play with with this topic and whatever i I really liked it though
0: i mean he might not realize it but our listeners should know that we're always into some demons so yeah i mean that's that was
1: yeah i love that i loved it for that fact, put
0: uh, people in me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a couple. Of
1: <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. There's a couple of things I like that I know, Just like so, sort of reading certain reviews that a lot of people didn't like was maybe like the last 15, 20 minutes of the film. You know, when uh, Gabriel Burns' character finally catches in flames, and that was like the final straw that broke the camel's back for Annie, Tony Collette's character. Right? She I gets do because that, possessed. that
0: made a little bit more sense because there's. Doesn't seem to be any reason, right, right, right. Yeah, that he bursts into flames. Yeah. but I can buy that. That still seems like a nice. Yeah, one. that one wasn't so far out there by that point in the movie that it really bugged me that much. I was still just like, yeah, you guys sort of set up. The she, rules got set for up.
1: This. she got set but... up. She got set up. She was set up the whole time. <laughs> but uh, what I liked about that is how it was playing on almost a little bit of a trope. You know, it's like it's a little silly, mm-hmm. but it's effective. Because it builds this tension, and the thing that got me is when he finally goes into the attic, and you have the cult members up there, and it's already creepy, because the grandmother was fucking found decapitated up there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's banging her head on the fucking attic door, right?
0: I almost think that seems Mm. better if she wasn't banging her head and just appeared. Oh, man. Nothing.
1: I found it effective.
0: I still found it effective, but I'm like... That felt like it was something for modern audiences, yeah. not something for the flow of
1: the movie. But I understand the thing that I that I noted too is he likes to use things of like repetition, and I noted that in my notes. Like, there's a lot of parallel scenes. For instance, the knocking. Yeah, I think a part of that
0: is the knocking. Yeah, because
1: it's been going on throughout the film. I can see that stuff like that. One thing I noted too is there's a parallel that he uses in the car. So there's a scene, of course, right after. Charlie gets decapitated, and Peter doesn't want to look in the rearview, but he kind of glances. There's a scene that Peter Gabriel, he picks up Peter from school. Gabriel
0: and, Byrne. Yeah. Peter Gabriel?
1: Yeah, Peter, oh, that would been different. Gabriel Byrne, yeah. <laughs> Peter Gabriel would be a I, different movie. <laughs> yeah. I've been influenced by his music a lot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Gabriel Byrne, his character, uh, Steve, he picks up Peter after, like, he smashes his face, and he looks in the rearview. view. At, mm. At Peter almost in the same position that Charlie was in. So there you know, he's using like these parallel images and these repetition things throughout the clucks and sounds. I can see and if, I-, I like that. If the
0: headbanging is meant to continue I just annoying, think, is that, and, and then it's, I can I can get on board with that.
1: And I think some of it too is Sounds are associated with Payman's character, right? Mm -hmm. They said the name alone, it was supposed to be a a translation of like a tinkling sound that's associated with Payman. Like when Payman gets summoned, there's always some kind of either music or like a high-pitched sound until you instruct it to make sense. So uh, I think that's where the clucking, too, that repetition of the cluck, it happens with all the characters that get possessed. Mm -hmm. So it's just little things like that. It's like that's in Midsommar 2. I'm already noticing there's certain techniques he's using with that repetition.
0: I think maybe what it is, because I guess we've ran into this versions of this in some other movies, too, is that there's a sweet spot where you should either explain (laughs) a lot or explain very little. And if you hit too much in the middle, it makes everything
1: yeah, there's too much wiggle room on both sides of that at the point, yeah. I know what you're saying, man. The thing, though, like I said, I guess with, without sounding too defensive about <laughs> <on> this <laughs> film, is I know it, it has its flaws. I mean, it's not a perfect film, but I think for somebody who's debuting, the oh impact God. that it had and the fact that I did get to see it in the theater and have that experience, you know, we noted, like I so said, with last night seeing Us is sometimes seeing a film with an audience too it impacts you a little differently than sitting oh, at home. You know, watch it by yourself 'cause
0: Especially when you hear fucking super patriotic country <laughs> coming from the other room when you're watching oh, Spirit.
1: Dude, holy cow. Yeah, yeah so it, it 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 totally took me out of that scene, man. We were watching okay, I was fucking dying laughing. This one though, is I I felt the tension the whole time. I even I felt myself like, you know, crossing my arms and kind of and I was like, man, you know, I'm doing this subconsciously, but I'm also aware that I'm doing it because the the film was making me feel tense. Mm-hmm. So there was little things like that that made me appreciate the film for what it was worth. And then I did a lot of research on it afterward, like, you know, the symbology and the cult aspect of it. It already had me hooked with the fact that you could also view it as a family drama. You know, just mm-hmm. how a family is dealing with tragedy and loss and... Then there's this weird supernatural aspect to it.
0: I think that's the other thing. For how slow the family portion of this movie moves, it's not bad. Like, it no, keeps no, no, you drawn no. in. And that's another one of the super, like, strong parts of this movie is that it is truly that compelling.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it makes you it sympathize with a these long characters.
0: Movie. Not the longest, but it's, no, what, two hours, it's, right? Yeah, yeah it's two hours
1: chunk. is a lot to follow, you know, for anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's still a good chunk, so I guess, I don't know. Like I said, I for as much as it sounds like I've been shooting on it, it was my number three horror movie last <laughs> year, so... Yeah,
1: and like I said, it was definitely my it's favorite. It's a
0: super strong horror movie. It's one that I definitely recommend.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I am totally fine with with anybody who doesn't like the film. That's fine. It's subjective. You know, mm-hmm. art is subjective. I might not agree with your opinion, but that's okay. I was like I still like to hear the varying views, why, and, you know, maybe try to argue... And you know, defense. And it's not to to be nasty. It's just mm-hmm. you know, just trying to trying to figure out where we come from.
0: Shit. Well, we have next week picked out.
1: Yeah, we do. So that's gonna be fun.
0: We're going fucking weird. I don't know.
1: We like weird, don't we?
0: Oh, we're going weird. We haven't gone. I would say we haven't gone this weird since our second episode.
1: Ooh, like Visitor Q weird.
0: I would say this is the closest movie <laughs> to being as weird as Visitor Q. Yeah. Nice. And next week we're going with 1989's Tetsuo the Iron Man. Tetsuo,
1: that, colon, that's the ga- Iron Man That's going to be fun, dude.
0: Which I believe is currently on Shudder. If you guys want to go check it out over there to make it easy for your own viewing pleasure, I'm pretty sure that's what I launched it on.
1: Yeah, and if not, too, I mean, Shudder has an awesome catalog, but definitely check out Tetsuo.
0: Because we're going to be talking about it. This is too short a notice, but Quincy seemed interested in it. I was yeah. talking about it at work, and she was like, that actually sounds really interesting. I'm like, it's really fucked up.
1: Well, I mean, she wants to talk about it. She knows where we're at.
0: That's right. But, shit, in order to keep listening to us, the best thing to do would be to hit subscribe on however you're listening to us currently so you keep getting our latest episode every time it comes up. You can always head over to our website, www.friedsworms.com. There are links up at the top to other ways to listen to us. The latest episode is always streaming down at the bottom. The links to all of our different portals in between, the Facebook, the Gram, the Twitter, archive to all of our back episodes, all that good shit. You can always hit us up through our website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you are listening to us, on an Apple device, it would be super awesome if you would rate and review us and get us into the algorithm, so we randomly pop up for more people, and they can be like, "Oh shit, I didn't know this existed because it's made by two stoners out of <laughs> <little> fucking Montana." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we,
1: we enjoy horror films. We like you know an array of different subgenres within the genre. If you have recommendations, if you have suggestions, if you would like to, you know, just say hello. We're always up for that too. So yeah, yeah just let us know.
0: And also, I already mentioned it once, but since we had Justin on, I would like to reiterate to go check out our Event Horizon episode, which was the first time we had Justin on. Yeah, it was a uh, lot of fun. You can check out our Pet Cemetery commentary, where Justin's on for the first half, right?
1: Yeah, he was on for a bit.
0: And that was also with Patrick. And on the lines of Patrick and Justin, head over to YouTube and check out Just a Friendly Reminder, where you get to see all of our wonderful smiling faces and Justin is pretty much in a version of corpse paint.
1: Yes, he is. He has a really cool character.
0: Maybe more mime. More mimey than yeah. corpse painting.
1: Yeah, but, but there's there's a lot of influence there.
0: A lot of, yeah. Go check that out. That would be awesome. Fuck, I, I think we're out of shit to say today. What do you think?
1: I think you're right. and like I said, I uh, highly recommend people watching Hereditary, whether you like it or not. <laughs> whether you like it or not, no, go I, fucking watch it, it. I still think it's is a, a film worth watching because it is... Film. A very wonderful film. My favorite from last
2: year.
0: I do want my final words on this film to be that it is a really, really good <laughs> yeah. film. That it is filled with wonderful performances, great moments of attention, amazing ideas, the cult aspect is wonderful. I, I love the score. For all the parts that I shit on... This is a wonderful film. (laughs) Exactly, but... That is what I want my final words to be on
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I enjoyed this film, and yeah, it was fun talking about it.
0: Hell yeah. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Front Squirms.
1: Out.